What's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom, where I try to take y'all's questions that you send in to podcast at michaelchandler.com. And whatever it is you're going through, whatever questions you have, whether they are surface level or very, very deep or anywhere in between, I, being an expert at absolutely nothing, but knowing a little bit about a lot of things, been around the world a couple times, had a lot of experiences, most likely gone through a lot of the same things, same struggles, same trials, tribulations, the peaks and the valleys that y'all have gone through. I try to answer your questions. And uh, the response thus far has been absolutely awesome. I actually was just in Vegas last week and I had a lot of fans come up to me and say that the Walk on Wisdom podcast has touched them um, and really helped them out. And a lot of them were getting their questions answered and a lot of them were getting actual tangible advice. So thank you all so much for the support. Uh, as I said, if you are just now finding us, you can send your questions into podcast at michaelchandler.com and we will answer them just like we are about to today. So um, first question is anonymous, but it comes from, I can go to the bottom of it and it says a 21 year old grinder from Denmark. So as I said, um, we're worldwide here. It's been really, really cool. Met a lot of people at International Fight Week from other countries and here in the United States, people sending in their questions. So thank you all so much for the support. And let's see if we can't dive in and help this anonymous person, 21-year-old grinder from, from Denmark. Hi, Mr. Chandler. I would like to stay anonymous for this one. First of all, I really enjoy your podcast. Uh, I've listened to all your podcasts and, I, and I'm continuing to, and I absolutely love what you are doing. And I'm so happy that I found you. My question is this, can you go in depth about your experience, about the streak of losses that you had, what you went through, how it affected you mentally, how you reacted to the situation. How did you walk? How did you walk and work through it? How did you think about the work you had put in during the time? Was it more or less than usual? And how did you overcome it? I'm really interested in the mentality about specifically, did you ever doubt yourself or did you have bad thoughts if about if you had lost it? <clears throat> As an athlete myself, I'm not the most talented, but I do have a whole lot of discipline and get the work done. I'm 21 and I am a mid slash high level amateur, but I'm dreaming of becoming a pro. As, as I'm at this age, I kind of feel like the clock is ticking and the time is about to run out. I'm giving it all I have for the next couple of years and hopefully will pay off and I will reach the pro level. Matter of fact, I can, with respect for myself and other people, say that I am the hardest working person in my surroundings. And I believe so because I grind at any opportunity possible. Even though I outwork everybody around me, I'm still kind of far behind anybody else. And I'm not quite seeing the results from all the hard work. I can I could imagine you would have been in the same place when you walked on to the University of Missouri. And that's why I resonate so well with you and what you are saying. My question also is, how did you stay hungry for more at these times when you had to work your butt off but didn't see the results from it? Please give me your advice and let me learn from your experiences. I think you can help me out a lot and I need to push in the right direction through this struggle. Thank you. A 21-year-old grinder from Denmark. So um, his first question or his or her first question is about my lost streak. So those that don't know, um, yes, I am the Michael Chandler that a lot of you guys see uh, at the highest level of the UFC ranked number five in the world on the ultimate fighter every single week this um right now during this season all the way through august 15th on espn every single week fighting conor mcgregor later this year or early 2024 and yes i am at a place where i'm extremely proud of what i've built and i am looked at as a lot uh by a lot of people as a very successful man inside the sport but there was a time right around 2013 to 2015 i went 688 days without winning a fight 
688 days, three fights in a row that I lost. And it was probably the toughest time of my entire life, or at least my, my competing life, my competition life. I've had other personal struggles that we've dove into, into this podcast, obviously. Um, but actually inside the fighting arena, if you will, inside the sport, that time was some of the toughest. I had just gotten married, so I had just promised my beautiful wife um, that I was going to love her, take care of her, support her, um, and provide for her and protect her for the rest of our lives. And I lost the next fight after we got married and then the next fight after that. And um, it obviously had nothing to do with me getting married, but it was just a uh, an interesting struggle that I had to go through, three losses in a row. So the question is, what was I going through? How did I get over it? How did I get through it? What were the things that I had to implement to uh, turn the corner, so to speak? Um, the biggest thing that I had to learn in that time was you guys can Google me right now and see my body. You can see my, you can see me on the, on the, in the cage, in the octagon. I look physically dominating. Okay. I look uh, ripped and I got the abs and I got the, the low body fat and the big muscles and all these different things. But what I realized was I was doing all the work inside of the gym more than what was asked of me. And, it, and it's always been like this ever since I was 14 years old. And I really started diving headfirst into wrestling, walking onto Mizzou, um, becoming an All-American there. If coach said, run through that brick wall, I would run through the brick wall, no questions asked. And I would run through the brick wall harder than anybody else in the entire room. But what all I was doing by doing all those reps and all those sets and doing extra was building up a bigger, faster, stronger, subpar version of the man that I was destined to be because I wasn't focusing on what was going on inside of my mind. And this is very much a mindset podcast. We talk about mindset pretty much every single question because every single thing that we do goes back to mindset and most and more specifically an individual's self-concept because you guys have probably heard me say too, a man or a woman will never be able to consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with the way that they see themselves. If they look in the mirror and they see a champion, they're going to be that much closer to being a champion. But if they look in the mirror and they see a loser, less than, lack, scarcity, not good enough, if they see that, then there's no way that they're going to be able to accomplish those lofty goals that we set for ourselves. So during that time, I had my first loss. I was 12-0, and 0, ranked number five in the world, had already beaten Eddie Alvarez for the title of two years prior, and then I step in the cage against Eddie Alvarez and I lose that fight via split decision. Um, I made three big mistakes. Number one, I had skill amnesia. I forgot how good I was. Uh, number two, um, I kind of found comfort in the jail cell of self-pity, started blaming other people. If it wasn't for that judge, I would have won that fight. If it wasn't for that coach, if he would have coached me better, I would have won that fight. If it wasn't for my training regimen, if I was doing this, doing that, you start for looking, all the, looking at all the different ways where you got slighted, where you got shortchanged, where you got taken advantage of, where you got um, wronged in some kind of situation. And it's very different from the man that I am today because I think I had to go through that time in order to be the man that I am today and add this layer of extra self-confidence, extra discipline, extra prosperity mindset, extra clarity, extra, extra confident expectancy moving forward into my goals and dreams. Um, and uh, the, third, the third mistake that I made was I got really embarrassed about my loss. 
got really embarrassed about my loss. It was fight of the year. The media was calling me. Um, all the reporters were calling me, hey, you lost the fight, but didn't really lose the fight because it was fight of the year and it was great. We love you for it. I didn't take the phone calls, didn't take the interviews, didn't accept my award for fight of the year, didn't, didn't want to be seen. I got, I got really, really embarrassed of the loss. And then years later, now that I can look back on it, you guys hear me say this also at times too, that every single person that you've ever looked up to or you aspire to be like, or you strive to be, be in the same rooms with has at one point or another been a loser, lost, failed, fall flat on their face. Um, and as long as you, if you can start changing your mindset to those losses are just a part of life and those losses are just a part of the process. Um, and sometimes we need the loss. Sometimes we need the setback. Sometimes we need the door sl being slammed right in our face. We need to feel that little bit of embarrassment. We need to feel that little bit of lack. We need to feel um, that little bit of failure. But the failure is not final. The failure is never, ever final until you stop striving toward the goal. Um, so I made those three mistakes. Um, and as I said, too, I was doing everything, everything right physically, and I looked physically imposing, but inside my mind, the battle inside my mind between my ears, I was losing every single day. It was only a matter of time before I lost, and that loss was going to turn into a downward spiral of I knew you weren't good enough. And that's exactly how I felt. As soon as I lost that first fight, it was like, okay, the media was right. The naysayers were right. The doubters were right. They were all right. I knew it. I knew I wasn't this good. So the biggest thing I had to do, I did hire a sports psychologist. I sat in a chair and I talked to a guy for 12, 15 sessions. Um, we really started talking about visualization. We really started talking about why I gave myself permission to lose instead of giving myself permission to be the best. And this was a recurring theme in my life years ago, years prior uh, in college wrestling. I would tell the coaches I wanted to be a national champion. I was telling them I, I could beat Jordan Burroughs and Mike Poeta and Jordan Lean and all these guys. And these names might not ring a bell to you guys, but these were the best guys in the entire country at 157 pounds. And I would tell everybody that I, would, I, I could beat them and I believed that I was going to beat them, but it wasn't true. When the going got tough, when it was deep in the third round and I might be up by a takedown, I would find a way to lose instead of giving myself permission to win. And it all came back to mindset. It all came back to my self-concept, my self-belief, my self-image. So every single thing that I do, every single day I'm focused on at, in a certain, uh, for a certain amount of time or in a certain, um, whether it be tangible things that I'm doing to increase my mindset or increase my self-image. Um, and a lot of times, self-image is directly related to discipline. I think a lot of people have a lack of self-image because they lack self-discipline. If you can't trust yourself, how are you ever going to go and do the things that you say you're going to do? Small, tiny victories, small, tiny wins. I really focused in that time of my life, instead of thinking about, okay, I have to go win this one big fight, I brought it back to every single practice. Yeah, I didn't win every single round. I didn't win every single practice. Yeah, I might have gotten submitted here or, hey, I might have gotten, this guy might have gotten the better of me in this sparring, sparring round. But overall, today was successful. It wasn't perfect, but it was successful. 
we can fo focus so much on trying to be perfect that we miss the forest through the trees, so to speak. So those are the couple of things that I really worked on, really having small victories every single day. Um, not being ashamed of my losses, wearing my losses like a, like a badge of honor. And I think you guys see that now. I, I will get on this microphone or a microphone somewhere else right after I lose on a Saturday and hop back on the microphone and sit here and tell all y'all, hey, I fell short. But falling short is a part of the process. Taking ownership of those losses, taking ownership of what's going on inside my mind, taking ownership of sharing it with the masses, because ultimately that's why this podcast has been so successful. You guys are going through the same thing that I'm going through. And it's great to see a guy like me who seems like he's this big Spartan gladiator guy and he's so tough and he's so harsh exterior and he can get through anything and my workouts are crazy and my fights are entertaining and I can push through anything yet. I still struggle with the same exact thing you guys do every single day. It's just, I sound different than a lot of fighters because I actually am willing to admit it. I actually am willing to humanize myself and come down to your level and realize I'm not any better than you and you're not any better than me. And we're just 8 billion people on this planet trying to figure this thing out called life. Um, so that's how I would answer kind of the first question, what I really went through, but I really started working on visualization, seeing myself be successful every single day, having small victories, not being ashamed of my losses, realizing that I am skilled, I am good, I am a good fighter, I am a good person, I am a good man. And yeah, I got a lot of flaws, a lot of flaws. But just acknowledging the fact that I do have the flaws will help me then get better at said flaws. Um, so the next question was, how did you stay hungry at times when you'd work your butt off, but you don't see the results? And we've talked about this on this podcast as well. I think it was a question about, hey, I just feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm stuck in this season right now and I'm not seeing the results. Or maybe I lost the job and I'm, now I've had six different job interviews and they've all said no. I tried to open up 15 doors and every single door stays locked. I'm looking for that perfect someone, that she or that he. And they just don't want me. They just don't want to be with me. These seasons of stagnation, and, and I challenge anybody right now who feels like they're in a, in a season of stagnation that maybe the season of stagnation is exactly what you need. I know we have this fake facade, pie in the sky mentality of, hey, if you're not moving forward, then you're moving backwards. Every single day, we got to be moving forward towards our goal. Every single day, we got to gain ground between point A and point B. And while that is true, and that should be the overarching goal, there's going to be days where you feel like you just, you didn't have it. It's going to be weeks where you feel like, man, I didn't get anything done today. So maybe you didn't get anything done physically, but you could have got done something, got something done mentally. Maybe you didn't get anything done in your business, in your job description, your, your, uh, your vocation, what you're pursuing, but maybe you gain some ground mentally or relationally or spiritually. There's gains that can be made every single day, every single week, whether they are the, the exact things that you're focused on right now or they're not. So how do you stay hungry when you feel like you're working your butt off, but you don't see the results? Ultimately, seasons of stagnation and seasons of feeling as if you're not gaining ground. And I just had a conversation with uh, somebody this past weekend that, was, that, that I have an overarching theme in my life in every single aspect of, is there something that you are so focused on 
and you have tied your identity to, you have tied your self-worth to, you have tied your happiness and joy to, if this happens, then I will be happy. If she says yes and we go on a date, then I will be happy. If I have this many zeros in my bank account, then I will be happy. It's an if-then type of relationship between you and your goals. And only if this happens, will I be happy, joyful, peaceful, content. And a lot of times in my life, almost every single time, the biggest breakthroughs have happened when I gave up the control of that thing, that goal, that accomplishment to my happiness. If this thing doesn't work out, then you know what? I'm going to be fine. Then all of a sudden, boom, the phone call comes in. Boom, the person comes into my life. Boom, the breakthrough happens. So I think sometimes we need that season of stagnation to let ourselves recalibrate and reassess our self-worth. And if this one thing does not happen, then I will still be okay. And then lo and behold, it ends up happening. So um, I hope that answers your question. I hope you guys got some good insight from that one. Just remember, sometimes we need seasons of stagnation. Remember, you will lose. You will fall short. You will, you will fall flat on your face. Doors will be slammed in your face. But it's those that can go from slammed door to slammed door, from setback to setback, from failure to failure without losing the steam and enthusiasm and continue to trod forward Irregardless of our previous failures, our future opposition, those are the people that are going to be successful. And those are the people that are going to ultimately be the happiest and find the most joy in life. So thank you for your question. 21-year-old um, grinder from Denmark. Next question comes uh, from RJ. Hey, Mike, my name is RJ, and I've been a huge fan of yours for a while. I really appreciate how close you are with the fans that you reply to questions on social media. I have a two-part question. And yes, RJ, I do love talking to people on social media. Social media for me is just that. It is social. It's a way for us to connect around the entire world. And I just love the uh, opportunities I have to speak with y'all. So RJ says, first off, I've taken about six months of jujitsu. Due to work, family, being sick, and having a new baby, I now have to take days off from work. Um... I now have some days off from work that I can consistently train again. I've been working out still. My question is, as a blue belt, what should I expect? Should I expect to pick it up right away and tap people and no moves? Or will it take a few weeks for my body to be like, oh yeah, I know what this is. Second question is, as a new dad, how can I be the best dad by also but also having time to take care of myself? I want to be able to run around with him when I'm 40 years old and he's, and he's a teen. And sometimes I feel selfish that I work out or meditate while my wife takes care of him. Thanks once again. See you at the top, RJ. RJ, great question. The second question is the overarching <laughs> constant uh, struggle between me time and their time. Um, but the first question, what should I expect as a blue belt? Um, should I expect to know a lot right away, tapping people out, beating them up, feeling, feeling like I'm the best guy in the room? And the answer is no. The answer is anything that you're starting, whether it's jujitsu, bike riding, swimming, working out, um, anything, anything fitness related, especially, or physical, um, kind of any kind of physicality, expect to start as a walk-on. Expect to start as the guy lowest on the totem pole. Expect to start as the person who is going to be overlooked or a person who is um, 
the worst in the, in the room. And that's okay because we all start somewhere. As we said, the walk-on mentality, you guys see it on the hat. You guys see me wearing my clothes. Um, I was a walk-on at Mizzou. I was overlooked, lowest guy on the totem pole. Nobody gave a crap about me. Um, but eventually, through the hard work, the sacrifice, doing things right, discipline, and, and most of all, um, a good mentality, a good attitude, a person that someone wants to be around, a person that someone wants to be stuck in an elevator with, the person who people feel different when they're around you. Yeah, maybe he's not the best jujitsu player. Maybe he's not the best wrestler. Maybe he's not the best fill in the blank here, but I like being around him. He's got a good attitude. He's got a good spirit about him because ultimately God created us for relationships. God created us for community. So be the person who is the worst in the room but be the person that is the most desirable in the room. And they're two completely different things. You might have six stripe black belt world champion, but he's kind of a not so nice guy. Nobody wants to be around him. Yeah, it's cool. Maybe you can learn from watching him, but you don't really want to sit down and have a beer with him. You don't want to sit down after practice and talk to him about life because he's kind of standoffish or he just doesn't have a great mentality about life or he's not a people person. And we all have different, attitudes and emotions and we all have different wounds. I'm not here to judge those type of people if you're a little bit quieter, but ultimately, should I expect to be picking it up right away? It really depends on your athletic prowess. It depends on how much time you're putting in. Um, but ultimately, go in there with a great attitude. Go in there, you get tapped out, put a smile on your face, give a high five, say good one. You get demolished, you get tired, you get embarrassed, have a good smile, have a have a good attitude, have a smile on your face because that's what people want to be around. And ultimately, that's how you're going to get more handouts, if you will. Hey, uh, instead of putting your hip here, put your hip there. Hey, instead of grabbing this lapel, grab that lapel. Hey, instead of shifting your body here, work on this. People that want to be around you are then going to want to lend unsolicited advice to you. And that's how you go from A to B to C. Um, but that's a great question. And that's just not in the jiu-jitsu room, the wrestling room. That's in everywhere. That's in every place. I've probably said this 25 times on this, on this uh, show. Jim Rohn, one of the greatest speakers of all time, said they'll pay you $4 to work at McDonald's, but they'll pay you four and a quarter to take the trash out with a, small, with a smile on your face. Meaning, if you have a good attitude, people are going to be more attracted to you and people are going to want to be around you. Therefore, you become more a part of a team and be a part of the team. And as I said, that's not just in the gym. That's at your work. That's in your relationships. That's in your community. That's in every single aspect of your life. Just be a good person. Be a nice person. Be someone that someone wants to be stuck in an elevator with. If they say, hey, I got to be stuck in an elevator sweating for the next 12 hours, who out of this big group of people would I rather be stuck in an elevator with? Try to be that person. Second question is about parenting. Um, fatherhood, being a husband. Um, he's a new dad, RJ. Congratulations. Um, I want to have time to take care of myself, but sometimes I feel selfish that I work out or I meditate while my, meditate while my, my wife takes care of him. And that is one of the over, um, overarching struggles in life as a man or as a mother. You have to have the me time. Um, you have to have those times where you say, hey, I'm going to do this for me and it might feel selfish, but I'm doing it selflessly so I can be the best version of myself because ultimately denying your passions is a slow suicide. Denying 
the things that you want to do that are going to make you happy, going to make you feel more fulfilled and more peaceful and joyful and content, it's just a slow suicide. It really is. And not an actual suicide in the sense of the actual physical sense of you leaving this earth way before your time, but you becoming a shell of the human being that you were supposed to be. Would you rather be with them all the time, make all the sacrifices for them, never think about yourself, always think about them, but then you become a shell of a human being that you were supposed to become. And then when you walk through the threshold of your, of your home, you walk in as a shell of a man or a shell of a woman. And this especially goes out to the, to the women listening. Because I know there's women listening out there because I talked to five or six of them in International Fight Week and every single one of them talked about this podcast and how it helped them. And I know my message a lot of times is, is geared toward men because I'm a man. I understand the male psychology, the male physiology a lot more, but the women out there can fall victim to this so much more than the men because they are the caregivers. They are the ones who are expected to be more selfless. They are the ones who are expected to be more agreeable. They are the ones that are expected to be more of the homely figure, if you will. But you have to have your me time. Whether it's taking a walk, whether it's working out, whether it's going to grab a glass of wine with the girls, grab a glass of wine with your friends, denying those things is going to make you a shell of the human being. And ultimately, a shell of a parent, a shell of a spouse. Um, so I am not sitting here saying I do a great job of it because I really don't. Um, I love when I go play golf and I feel great afterwards. I'm like, man, I did something for myself today. I didn't just sit here in the studio and grind away because I got to provide for the family. I didn't just go to the gym and work out three times a day because I'm going to put food on the, on the plate for my family. I didn't just go do this business meeting or that thing because it's all about work, 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 work. And yes, I do get a lot of purpose out of my work. I do get a lot of value out of my work physically, spiritually, emotionally. But ultimately, I need those days where I just feel like a normal human being and I have a little bit of me time. So yes, RJ, I think... My answer to your question is make sure the quality of the time that you're with your family is increased because the quality of your time when you need to go be selfish to go work out, meditate, do whatever it is, even if, even if it is just going to have fun with the boys, make sure that gives you the intrinsic value that when you show up and cross your threshold of your house that you can be there and be present, be where your feet are. Because it's not about the hours spent. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. You ever spent 30 minutes with one of your kids and you were just 100% present and they were 100% present and it felt like you guys, felt like you guys were hanging out, playing, doing whatever for hours and it was only 30 minutes? It's all they want. They want your time. But they don't just want the quantity of time. They want the quality of time. As I said, I'm not perfect at this, kind of being pulled in a million different directions, especially this year. Um, so putting my phone down, trying to be where my, my feet are is uh, something I've tried to work on. So RJ, great question. Next one comes from B-Bass. What's up, champ? My name is B-Bass. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I've become a huge fan of your content. Your combi combination of humility and confidence is admirable. You have your priorities in order 
and you are a huge inspiration. Since I started listening to you, I noticed you talk a lot about visualization and imagining the person that you want to become. Can you elaborate on your habits and systems around visualization? I appreciate it. See you at the top. Best regard, Brian. Great question. Um, yes. Well, number one, thank you for the uh, thank you for the kind words. Shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, for for me, I spent so many years staying away from what was going on inside of my mind because I knew I was, I knew I had some chinks on my armor and it wasn't my legs. It wasn't my arms. It wasn't my abs. It wasn't my physical body. The chinks in my armor were what was going on inside my mind. So I would run from them. I would, I would, um, ignore them, so to speak. And the more I started studying, listening, the more I started seeing that the people that I wanted to be like talked about visualization they talked about affirmations. They talked about seeing it in your mind before you went out and tried to accomplish it. Before those bright lights come on at Madison Square Garden, when I got to go out there and fight, or in Vegas against Connor, I've already fought Connor a thousand times in my mind. I've already stepped inside the octagon a thousand times in my mind. I've already seen him across the octagon a thousand times. Because that's where you have to be if you want to go show up when the bright lights come on. So um, for me, from an actual practicality standpoint, a lot of times for me, it's first thing in the morning. Um, today was not one of those days, um, but I like to get out, get up about an hour before my family gets up somewhere in that 515 to 545 range, 530, get my coffee. I sit over there in my chair. Um, I read my devotionals. The sun's kind of coming up. Um, and I thank God for another day. I thank him for the blessings. I journal about my blessings, uh, who I am, whose I am, why I deserve to be successful, the things I have accomplished, the things I've overcome, the things that are still to be overcome and the things that are still to be accomplished, all the crazy and blessings that I have in my life, because we all have a huge laundry list of blessings in our life, but we tend to take them so much for granted and completely ignore them because we take them for granted. So we think, well, I have this physical body, so therefore I don't need to be thankful for it because I have it. I need to start thinking about what I need to go accomplish. And then I'll be thankful for that once I get it. Being present, being in the present moment. So closing my eyes, seeing myself be successful inside the cage, seeing myself be successful on stage is speaking, seeing myself being successful in this seat right here with this microphone that I'm talking to you guys on right now with millions and millions and millions of views. And yes, I'm not there yet. Matter of fact, I'm not even close. But seeing that, because the mind can't really tell the difference between certain things actually happening and you just seeing them inside of your mind. And maybe that sounds foo-foo. Maybe that sounds like witchcraft. Maybe that sounds like craziness. Um, but just go ahead and try it. Start having more confident expectancy, expecting great things to happen. That today, in every way, I'm getting better and better. Today, opportunities are going to flow toward me. Today, opposition will come into my presence and I will find a way to navigate it, negotiate it, get around it, get over it, get underneath it, or go straight through it. You're so much more resilient than you ever could have thought or imagined. But only if you believe and only if you can see yourself being that way and operating that way, will you really be able to be that way. 
So sitting down, even if it's just for five minutes, once again, just like the last question with RJ talking about being with your, your children, just 10 minutes of being hundred percent present feels like hours to your child. And in your mind, just five minutes of thinking of and dreaming of and making up these scenarios of extreme accomplishment and happiness and peace and joy, just five minutes pays dividends as if you did it for hours, if you did it for a, as if you did it for a whole day. Start doing that more, being more thankful, going back. It all goes back to gratitude. How grateful are you? Because you can't be great. You can't be grateful and negative at the exact same time. You can't be grateful and regretful at the exact same time. You can't be grateful and sour or upset or mad at the exact same time. It's just not physically possible. So the more you can be grateful for things, whether you're writing them down, whether you're saying them audibly, whether you're saying them inside of your mind, whether you're making a list, whether you're just visualizing, it pays dividends inside of your mind and ultimately inside of your heart, ultimately inside the physicality of your body and how you actually feel. You can actually change your biology, your, your, bio, your biological makeup just by starting your day with gratitude. I try to visualize three to four, five times a week. Um, sometimes the best time for me is in the morning. Sometimes it's at night. A lot of times I don't like to visualize too much at night because it can kind of get me hyped up. Definitely don't want to visualize about fighting because it kind of gets me hyped up. But I can visualize me, me jumping on the trampoline with my, my son, Hap. Me seeing my wife just in extreme bliss and happiness because I'm a, a great husband. Seeing the smile on my son, Ace's face standing on stage and seeing thousands and thousands of people in awe at the things that I'm saying the way that I'm living my life the masterpiece that I'm painting these are the things that I think about and you know can't believe I'm saying them publicly you know but they are you know that's that's what I want to it's what I want to be it's what I want to do it's what I want to, what I want to have so therefore why not just put it out there why not just see it so Brian thank you so much um, shout out to Atlanta, Georgia, visualize, write it down, see it every single day. Next question comes from Seraphim Chandler. First of all, thank you for your, for the most entertaining and brutal fights that we could watch in the UFC lightweight division so far. My first question is about finding my path. How do I know that it is the right way to go? Because it always takes, because it always takes a hard and long time to get at the top of my own mountain. But what if I'm climbing the wrong mountain? I study, but I also want to start creating my own path to, to defining a problem that I can solve with my strengths. I want my parents to see me happy and rich so that we can finally live a happy life. This is leading me to my sec second question. What do you think about masculinity? Because it could be one of my problems that I am too feminine. Greetings from Germany. I hope my English is understandable enough. God bless, Seraphim. Great questions. Um, so the first one, how do you know if you're climbing the right mountain, how do you know if you're on the right path? How do you know if what you're pursuing is the thing that you're supposed to be pursuing? And the answer is quite simple. You don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't. Um, or maybe certain parts of the path that you are taking might feel 100% like they're the right path that you're supposed to be going down. You're doing exactly what you need to be doing, but there's certain aspects of it that seem like they need to be pivoted from. Certain aspects of what you're trying to, 
make with your life that, um, that you could be going down the wrong path. The, oh, the big, big path, but these small little tributaries, so to speak, uh, small little creeks off of the big river uh, that is your life, that is your path. You guys have heard me talk about James 1.5 when I sat in the, in the meeting with Hunter Campbell the first time. I prayed over James 1.5, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it, and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. Because a lot of times we don't know, so therefore we just need to ask for wisdom. So Seraphim, I would say, start by asking for wisdom. Start by expecting that the wisdom is going to flow to you. Start by expecting that the right door is going to open at the right time. And if there's a closed door, don't try to blow through it. Just like you said, are, are you climbing the right mountain? You don't really quite know, but you can stay prayerful. You can stay full of confidence and expectancy that the wisdom is going to come to you at the right time in order for you to make the best decision that you can with the, with the information that you have. And ultimately, how do you feel while you're pursuing? Why are you pursuing it? Because ultimately, why we pursue something is vastly more important than what we actually pursue. If you can attach your why to what you're trying to accomplish or what your why to what you're trying to do, then ultimately you're going to find more contentment, more peace, more joy, because you're operating within your strengths. You're operating within those things that ultimately are going to make you feel more content. So creating your own path, defining a problem that you can solve with your strengths, that's where you ask for wisdom. Because all the wisdom is out there. It just needs to be asked for. It just needs to be pleaded for. It just needs to be experientially brought about by going through certain trials, going through certain things. And once again, going back to the first question of failures, trying and failing, trial and error, pursuing and falling flat on your face. All of this is part of life and all of this is part of finding the mountain. Because I can tell you this, there's been so many mountains I've tried to climb only to find that I get to the top of that mountain or I get halfway up that mountain. I look over and realize, wait a second, I'm on the wrong mountain. But was climbing that mountain a waste of time? And I would challenge you, anybody who's gone through that in their life and they've climbed halfway up a mountain just to realize, okay, this isn't fulfilling me anymore. I want to go somewhere else. That wasn't a waste of time. You're adding layers to your human being. You're adding layers to the person that you will eventually become. So keep pursuing, but also continuing to ask for wisdom. Second question is about masculinity. About masculinity. What do you think about it? Because it could be one of my problems that I am, that I am too feminine. So the, the question there is, what is my thoughts on masculinity? My thoughts on masculinity is masculinity is the most beautiful thing on the entire planet, the most beautiful thing in the entire world, the most beautiful aspect of life. And obviously as a man, that's where I'm speaking from, but masculinity can be used for such, such good. Exponential, exponential growth and accomplishment, contentment. It can change lives, it can save lives. It can enrich lives, but can, it can also tear lives down. It can also hurt people. Masculinity used the wrong way or masculinity with the wrong spirit or heart behind it 
can take people's lives, can ruin lives, can bring about so much pain and anguish and tears. But masculinity used the right way, I think is the most beautiful thing in the entire world. A man with his masculine traits that was given to him by his divine power, his creator. Masculinity that can be used to change the world. Masculinity has been used already to change the world in every single era of this world. Every man needs a battle to fight, an adventure to have, and a beauty to win. I believe that. I believe that with every ounce of my being, denying the battles to fight, denying those adventures that you need to have, those two things right there are what I believe has been labeled masculinity used in the wrong way. You got a bunch of men in this world right now who have wounds, deep, deep, deep wounds. Some of them seem overcomable type of wounds. Some of them seem unhealable type of wounds. And they take each of those wounds into every single aspect of their life. Business, family, relationships. If we can heal these wounds, if we can heal the heart wounds, the mind wounds, the soul wounds, if we can continue to try to become a better person, a better man, then ultimately we're going to be able to use our masculinity for good. And when you, you know, um, Seraphim, when you talk about, hey, masculinity, what do you think about it? Because it could, could be one of my problems that I'm too feminine. I don't think you're necessarily too feminine. Number one, I wouldn't put that label on yourself. I would start there. I, would, I wouldn't say, hey, I am here and I feel like I'm a little bit too feminine or I'm a little bit more, more feminine or less masculine than a lot of the people that I'm around because I believe that God created us with a bunch of different gifts. My gifts are different than yours. My gifts are different than anybody else listening right now across the world. However, those gifts at the right time during the right season might be exactly what you need. They might be exactly what your community needs or exactly what your family needs in that season. And people can change and they can change dramatically. The feminine spirit and the masculine spirit in my mind are two completely different things but they intertwine because we're both, both are human beings, the masculine, the feminine. And I think God created us to cohesively work together to change the world, to make the world a better place, to serve and love people, to save people, to protect people. So going back to James 1.5, he who, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. It says abundantly. More wisdom than you ever could have thought or imagined that you would get at the exact right time because what is meant for you won't pass you up. So when it comes to masculinity, femininity, the mountain you want to climb, the path you want to be on, praying for wisdom, staying disciplined and diligent in the things that you know that you need to do, being a good person because ultimately that's how you lay your pillow up your head on the pillow at night, knowing that today I wasn't perfect, but I was successful. Today I wasn't perfect, but I was nice. I was kind. I did have a servant's heart. 
So Seraphim, thank you for your question all the way from Germany. And thank you to those listening all around the world. It's so cool. We got one from Denmark, one from Germany, one from Atlanta, Georgia today. Um, so God bless you. Next question comes from Ethan. Hey, Mike, love the podcast and really appreciate what you're doing. There's a saying, no wind blows in favor of a ship without direction. And that's how I've been feeling lately. Ooh, doggy. No wind blows in favor of a, of a ship without direction. I'm 21 years old, completing, completed my postgraduate degree last year, and I haven't been able to find a real job or any direction in life. I have a comfortable life because of my parents. I'm working for my dad till I find another job, but I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. I feel like I can't get over the finish line in a sense. I missed a few big opportunities in university, and even now, while, while looking for work, I've had plenty of interviews, but nothing's worked out. My life feels empty and ad inadequate. I don't enjoy what I do, and I can't find any purpose or real motivation. I see my peers and friends making progress in life while I'm extremely happy for them and want to see them succeeding. I feel like I am failing. I even feel this way in my relationship with God. It's something I battle with. I've grown up in a Christian home and I know the gospel, but I feel like a failure every time I sin. I try my best to not sin, but some habits are hard to break. What advice would you give me? Looking forward to the next podcast. P.S. Walk on Fitness is awesome. All the best from South Africa. Holy cow. Ethan from South Africa. Um, and thank you for being a part of our walk on fitness community. Uh, the community is growing. Uh, we are working on more programs right now and even adding a new coach, um, and new programs, new types of programs to walk on fitness, walkonfit.com and, uh, available on all the different app stores, Apple, Google play, all that stuff. Um, but man, Ethan, number one, I just got to say, man, I love you. You are not a failure because if you're a failure, I'm a failure because I have felt the exact same way that you have felt. If you're a failure, then every single person listening right now is also a failure because I guarantee everybody listening right now has been in a season where they just felt like they weren't good enough. What I think you have is you have a mindset problem. The way that you're seeing life, the way that you're seeing others succeed, the way that you're seeing the way that your life is playing out, but you're just 21 years old. Anybody listening right now who's 21 years old or anywhere close to it, you got your whole life ahead of you. you got your whole life ahead of you. And it's not that you haven't been doing the right things. It's just that you haven't been doing the right things for long enough. Everybody that you look up to, everybody that you admire, Ethan, maybe you're thinking about me right now. You look at me, you look what I've accomplished. You love my podcast. You love Walk On Fitness. You love, maybe you see the family that I built. Maybe you see the life that I built. Maybe you see the platform that I have. Yeah, I've got all these things, but I'm 37 years old. When I was 21 years old, I would have probably sent in this exact same message to somebody that I looked up to who had a decade and a half of experience on me. You're 21 years old. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You just graduated from university with a postgraduate degree, nonetheless. So yes, right now, once again, going back to two or three questions ago, sometimes you need a season of stagnation to not just work on your career, not just work on your bank account, not just work on your job description, not just work on your paychecks, but let's work on Ethan. Maybe you're not where you need to be or want to be in your career, but once again, going back, you're 21 years old. 
be thankful that you, as you said, you had, uh, you're working at your, you're working for your dad until you find another job. That's a huge blessing in and of itself that you could just kind of walk right into your dad's company, work there, get a paycheck there, add value, provide value, provide a service there while you can work on Ethan. The next thing is right ahead of you. The next open door is right ahead of you. You just have to believe that it's going to be. And you have to believe and be okay with the fact that it's not going to happen tomorrow. And maybe it doesn't happen next week or next month. Maybe you're at your dad's company for an entire year, but is that really a bad thing? You're 22 years old. It's giving you time right now to have the time of your life. And I'm not talking about going out and partying. I'm not talking about going out and traveling the world, but I'm talking about having the time of your life where you don't have, most likely at your age, you probably don't have a lot of bills. You're not married. Doesn't sound like you have kids. Enjoy this right now because this, this is the least busy that you will ever be. My best friend, mentor, Chris Patterson, told me that years ago. I think I had just gotten married, um, but my career really just kind of started taking off and all these different opportunities and sponsorship and endorsements and platform and all these different things. And I remember saying, gosh, Chris, I'm just so busy, dude. I just got, I got this going on and I got that going on and I got feel pressure here. And I feel like my head is below water over here. I'm just trying to come up for air every now and then. He said, Michael, enjoy this because this is the least busy you'll ever be. And I'm like, get out of here. There's no way this is the least busy I'll ever be, man. I feel like I'm so busy right now. So yes, you will get busier, but you'll get better at dealing with the busy. Enjoy this time right now. Enjoy the fact that you do have a job. We, have, we get a lot of questions from a lot of people all around the country, all around the world, that they're having a hard time trying to find jobs. And yes, I know you've had plenty of interviews and it seems like no, 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 no. Door slammed in your face, but maybe that's exactly where you're supposed to be. Maybe those no's are not a no. Maybe those no's are a promotion because the right thing is headed your way. What is meant for you will not pass you up. Those interviews for those jobs were not meant for you. Enjoy this time right now. You said you have a comfortable life. Enjoy and be grateful for the comfort that you have in your life. A lot of people out there living very uncomfortable lives right now. And yes, I know you said you don't like what you're doing. I know you said you don't, you know, you don't get any kind of, uh, I guess, uh, you don't get any kind of value from it, but I think that's more of a mindset shift. You are getting value from it. Show up to work on time. Be a good employee. Be a good coworker. Show up with a smile on your face. Take the trash out with a smile on your face, as Jim Rohn would say. Be happy for your friends, like you said, but don't play this comparison game. Don't play this social media social construct, community comparison game because it's only going to lead to pain. Enjoy this season of stagnation right now. I encourage you to do that right now. Enjoy. Take ownership of this season of stagnation. Wake up tomorrow morning as the sun comes up and say, yes, today, maybe I'm not at the job that I want. Maybe I don't have this. Maybe I don't have that. We can all do that. I can make you a list right now of 35 things that I wish I had in my life. 35 more accomplishments, 35 more business opportunities, 35 more people, 35 more tangible things, spiritual things, emotional things that I could have in my life. But 
Be a good finder right now. Be grateful for the things that you have in your life because then, then and only then will those doors open up for the next season of your life. Like you said, you feel that way. Uh, I guess I would, I would go back into the second part of this. You know, I feel this way with my relationship with God. It's, some, it's something that I battle with. I've grown up in a Christian home and I know the gospel, but it feels like I, I feel like a failure every time I sin. I trust, I try my best not to, but some habits are hard to break. All of our habits are hard to break. All of us have sinned and fallen short. You will never be perfect. God ain't mad at you. God ain't standing up there with the checklist going, oh, he did it again. Oh, he did it again. Oh, I didn't expect him to do that. Oh, he did that again. He ain't doing it. Live your life with so much joy and peacefulness and contentment and happiness that the uptight Christians question your salvation. That the uptight Christians say, man, that guy must be hiding something. Or, oh, I can't believe the way that guy's living his life. Or, oh, I can't believe it. And I'm not saying go out there and sin. I'm not saying go out there and do the stupid stuff. I'm not saying go out there and live a life of debauchery. But what I am saying is don't have such a tight grip on what you think God's expectations are for you that it's an unwinnable, unattainable type of salvation. It's already been given to you. It's already been given to you, so stop trying to, stop trying to put so much pressure on being perfect. Ethan, I appreciate you, man, all the way out there in South Africa. Keep on getting after it. You're in a good season right now, a season of stagnation, even though the, the word stagnation kind of has a connotation of negativity. It really doesn't. I've made a lot of my games and a lot of times of stagnation. So enjoy your life, son. Got your whole life ahead of you. God ain't mad at you, and the best is yet to come. James 1.5, ask for wisdom, and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. Next question comes from Cody. Now, let me take a little sip real quick. Hey, Iron Mike, longtime fan and listener of the podcast. A few years ago, I was alone and in a dark place. I slowly stopped drinking, started eating and supplementing well, taking care of my mental health, being the best father I could be, and being more present. My motivation was simply seeing improvements in my life. I wanted to excel in my career, excel as a dad, eventually find a good woman and be someone I could be proud of. This long road has led me to today. Sober, good diet, good dad, mentally strong, and with a woman I love. She will be moving in and rather than leading and rather than leading for my son, I will be leading for my future wife, my son, as well as her two children. An honest assessment of myself. I feel as if I am 75% of the way there, but still having to be better as, as there are still aspects I would like to improve. I'm closing in on the man I envisioned years ago, but at times this final stretch can feel the most difficult. What advice would you have on making an incremental improvements that I have struggled with as well as handing the pressure, handling the pressure of leading as the, as the one of my family will look up to? God bless. See you at the top. And that comes in from Cody. Um, man, you know what came to mind right there as I was listening to this, reading this? You're where you want. You're 75% of the way there. Taking care of your mental health, sober, good diet, working out, not just leading your son, fell, fell in love with the woman of your dreams. She's got her two children, so you're going to be caring for three children plus a beautiful wife. Good dad, mentally strong, 
but you're 75% there. If I was the devil, if I was the enemy, if I was the one trying to stop you from going 100%, I would make sure that Cody labeled himself at 75%. Think about it. What if you're at 100%, Cody? But it's the enemy, and sometimes, most of the time, the inner me that's telling you that you're only at 75 because that's where I would write where I would want you to be. Because I felt like this a lot of times in my life too. I'm like, man, I'm firing, firing on all cylinders. Family is good. Body is good. Fighting is good. Business is good. Health is good. Relationships are good. I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders, but something in me that says, nah, I got to get better here. Got to get better there. Got to get better there. Because it's not good enough. If I was the devil, it's right where I would want you to be. Thinking you're still not good enough, even though you're doing everything right. If I was the devil, if I was the enemy, I'd make sure that 75% feels like 150% off. If I was the enemy, I'd make sure 75% feels like a failure. If I was the devil, I'd make sure 75% feels like you're an absolute loser nobody. And I'm not saying that is how Cody feels here. And this is for everybody listening right now, and I'm speaking to you directly, Cody, but I'd make sure if I was the devil, if I was the enemy, that 75% wasn't good enough. I'd make sure I'd put numbers on it because we're a number society. We're a pie chart society. We're a charts and graphs society. 75% just ain't good enough. You just ain't cutting it, Cody. You got a lot of work to do, but do you? Sounds to me like you're doing a pretty darn good job. But that was the thought that I had there. I just, I, I kind of just was reading it and imagined the devil sitting right here, smirking, saying, yeah. Cody's one of the good ones, but I'm making sure he, he don't feel like a good one. I'm making sure he feels like a bad one. Matter of fact, I'm making sure he feels like a failure because this is what we can do. We can get so caught up in being perfect that we negate how successful we are being. We can get so focused on 100% that it just feels like we're failing. There's probably a lot of people listening right now who might be resonating with what Cody just sent and how I just answered that question. If I was the devil, I'd make sure you feel like a failure, Cody. Even if you're doing great in everything. Because yes, by all accounts, with the laundry list of things that you just, that you just mentioned here, I'd say you're doing pretty darn good, son. I'd say you got a life that you should be proud of. I'd say you got a life that, it, that you are making an impact I feel like you, I feel like the words that you said here that you're excelling as a dad and you found your good woman, you found, and she's got her two children. You're, you don't just want to be there to provide for them. You want to be a good example. You want to lead the household. You're closing in on the man that you envisioned years ago. But if I was the devil, I'd make sure that you feel like you weren't closing in at all. So maybe I'm being a little bit too, uh, a little bit too crazy with this question, um, but that's exactly what I what I envisioned right there when I was reading it. My man, Cody, you're doing everything right, man. Just keep on doing it, man. And even just the fact that the the question is, what advice would you have on making more incremental improvements 
that I have struggled with, as well as handling the pressure of leading as the one of that as the one my family will look up to. Cody, I think you're already doing it. A lot of times these questions come in of, hey, how do I be a better dad? Well, the good thing is that you're asking the question how to become a better dad. Because the people who don't care about becoming a better dad don't ever ask that question. How do I get better in business? Well, the good thing is you're asking about how to become better at business. Therefore, you actually care about becoming better at business. How do I become a better father? How do I become a better husband? How do I become a better man? Therein lies the rub. You're already asking the question. Therefore, you want to become better. I mean, I'm talking to Cody right now, and I'm talking to every single one of you guys, but I'm talking to myself right now. I've looked the devil in the eyes about 50 million times, I feel like, in, the li in my life. Because he just says, hey, you ain't good enough. You ain't doing good enough. And you know when you're feeling that, that it's not from God. You know when you're feeling that, it's not from your heavenly father who knows that you're doing well. That he is well pleased with you. But the biggest thing here, the way that I would answer this question, now that I've kind of say, okay, we'll put the devil on the shelf over there. We won't leave him alone. We say, hey, let's just say you are at 75%. In your question is the, the biggest telling aspect of it. How do I handle the pressure? You handle the pressure by not putting so much pressure on yourself, knowing that you're doing a good job. If you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a good man. I'm not perfect but you are good. You're not a perfect father, but you're a good one. Not a perfect husband or future husband, but you're a darn good one. And I'm not saying keep the bar low, so therefore you don't have to keep on getting better. But what I am saying is sometimes we fall into the self-deprecating scenarios or mentalities in life because we've, we've set the bar so high that it was almost unattainable in the first place. Cody, you're doing a phenomenal job. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. Put pressure on yourself to, to be successful. Wake up in the morning and say, I today will not be perfect, but today I will be successful. I today will make mistakes, but I'm doing them with love and kindness and peace in my heart. But man, Cody, I think you're doing a great job. I encourage everybody to think about that right now? Where in your life do you know that the enemy, the inner me is stealing your joy, stealing your energy, stealing your clarity, stealing your peace? Because if I was the devil, I'd try to take your peace. If I was the devil, I would tell you that 75% is a percentage of a loser. So to everybody out there who is striving and they're doing things right, you're trying the best that you can. Don't be perfect. Don't try to be perfect because you're not going to be perfect. Cody, congratulations on taking stock in the life that you're trying to create and getting that much closer and closing in on the man that you have envisioned for years. God bless. I'll see you at the top. Next one comes from Charlie. And this will be our last question for the day. I hope that your preparation for the Connor fight is going well. My name is Charlie and I have a, and I have a dilemma. I train MMA five times a week and I'm very dedicated. I'm 17 years old and looking to fight in the somewhat near future. My parents aren't very supportive of MMA and they see it as a barbaric and not a real sports career. 
they basically said, you can either go to college and live under our roof and not do MMA, or you can get a job out of high school and do MMA, but you're completely on your own and you would move out. I believe the hard work, I believe with hard work, I can do anything I can imagine. And I'm willing to take the risk and burn the boats to chase my dream. I have a great coach with good connections and good training partners. What advice would you give me? I'll be at the top soon. I'll be at the top next to you soon. Charlie. Oh, man. Charlie. It's a tough one. So boys and girls, where we're at is Charlie wants to pursue his MMA career. His parents are not supportive of it. He's only 17 years old. So therefore they said, hey, you can go to college and you can live under our roof or you can pursue MMA and you got to go off and be on your own. I, Charlie, I don't know how to answer this question, man. It's, it's such a longer conversation and I'd need so much more information than I have. Um, and there could be a lot of young people out there listening right now who have gone through certain dilemmas, whether it is an MMA career, whether it is um, entrepreneurship, whether it is a relationship, whether it is certain lifestyle choices, whatever it may be. You know, um, the Gary V approach, and he's talked about it a lot because people come to him and he's got a very young audience. Well, he's got a huge audience, but a lot of a lot of young people come to him for advice. And he does, he is pretty hard on parents at times, you know. A lot of times he said, F your parents, F what they think, you know, they don't know you, don't want to put limits on you. But then he has also said and looked young people in the eyes and said, Well, do they pay your bills? Are you living under, under their roof? Do they pay for your gas? Did they buy your car? Do they put food on your table? Because if all of that is true, it is tough because you do have to listen to the people that pay the bills. You do have to listen to the people that are supporting you. I would hate to give the wrong advice here to Charlie, who's only 17, um, probably, you know, a junior, senior in high school, probably a senior in high school um, at this point, maybe graduating this year and he's got to make a decision. I don't know which way to go, honestly. Um, and I think that's okay because I don't want to give any kind of advice that would alter somebody's life. And I don't want to disrespect his parents because I think about myself and, and what, what would it be 10 years from now, 12 years from now when Hap's going off to college or he's getting ready to figure out what he wants to do next. And yeah, you better believe if I'm paying for everything and he's, and I'm supporting him, then I'm going to at least weigh in on what's happening. This sounds like a ultimatum, so to speak. Charlie, one thing that I would do, um, is yes, I know this can bring about some anger. I know this could bring about kind of a big middle finger to your parents if they don't believe in me or they don't want me to do this, I'll show them. It's a tough position to be in because ultimately the fact that your parents are still in the picture is a good thing. The fact that your parents care is a good thing. Um, the fact that they weigh in at all is a good thing because there's probably a lot of listeners right now who are like, shoot, man, I wish my parents cared enough to say I could or could not do anything. I wish my parents were there to say I had the opportunity to, to go to college or pursue an MMA career. Sounds like a dilemma, but that's a dilemma that I wish I had. So Charlie, the biggest thing I would say is use this time right now to get better at communicating get better at communicating how truly passionate you are about mixed martial arts, how you don't feel like you just want to do it because you like to fight people. You don't just want to do it because you feel like 
it's cool and you could win a belt and make a bunch of money and the girls will like you and all these other things. Sell mixed martial arts as a lifestyle and a discipline that has the ability to impact other people. Because I truly think that's what I do with mixed martial arts. I love, I love the fight. I love being in the fight. But I love what you guys feel when I fight. I love being able to shake y'all's hand, look you in the eye when I do see you out at the airport or in Vegas or at these fights or whatever. And, and the fact that I can make somebody feel like that about their lives and their struggles that they're going through because they watch me fight and they see that the ferocity and the passion which I fight with. Charlie, I would encourage you to sell it to your parents in a way that, hey, mom and dad, this isn't just a sport. This is a, this is a lifestyle. And it's a, and it's a lifestyle now in 2020 or 2023, you're 17. Say you get into, you know, one of these big organizations, the UFC or Bellator, it's still going to be, you know, five years from now or so until you're really ready to kind of make it big. There's a lot of money to be made in mixed martial arts. It's a legitimate occupation. It's a legitimate sports career. It's a legitimate sport that gives you the opportunity to learn things about yourself and push through barriers and change the lives of not just yourself, but your family and others. Um, so I go back to my first statement of Charlie, you need, to, you need to use this time to challenge yourself to get better at your communication skills. I'm not saying that you've done a bad job of that, but what I am saying is going in the living room tonight when your mom and dad are maybe sitting down watching TV or maybe at the dinner table and you say, mom, dad, I can't believe you won't let me do this thing. I wish I could just go do mixed martial arts. You guys are just treating me unfairly and don't, don't look at a, don't look at this like you're the victim here. Look at this as if you need to sell them on this opportunity that you have. Maybe make some compromises. Maybe say, hey, mom and dad, give me the opportunity to prove to you that I will go to a mixed martial arts gym. I will work the front desk. I will mount the mats. I will be a gopher, if you will. And then I will have a free membership. And then I will, I will show you guys videos. I'm getting better. Look how good my hands are. Look how good my grappling is. Prove to them that you have a legitimate shot to be good in the sport. And then also bring me up. Bring me up. Bring some of the other guys up who have made a great living in this sport. They've got families that they're supporting. They're making an impact and they're not just pugilists. The sport itself has, has changed in a lot of ways. Um, so, Charlie, I know that's not a very good answer to the question. I, I in good, good conscience cannot say, hey, Charlie, yeah, throw up a middle finger to your mom and dad and go do your own thing because that has lifelong implications and the relationship with your family is very, very important. And as I said, there could be a million people right now listening that wish they had that kind of relationship with their family. So I can't tell you to go that way or I can't tell you to give up on your dreams completely, deny your passion, deny your, your, uh, your pursuit of what you want to do. Um, the other thing is too, you are only 17 years old. Don't forget that I started fighting at mixed, in, in mixed martial arts at 22. So there still is a play there where you go to college, you join a college, you join it, you join a gym at your college. You still are able to go back home, train with your coach, train with that, those training partners and slow play this thing. You're only 17 years old. You don't need to become a pro MMA fighter till you're 
20, 21, 22 years old, just like I did. So think about that. Got a little bit of time. And um, that's how I would answer that. Sorry, it's not a real concrete answer. And that's one of the things about walk on wisdom here. I, I, if I don't feel led to give you a legitimate black and white answer, I just don't want to do it, especially when it comes to family. Um, especially when it comes to some of these life altering, life changing kind of decisions, telling a young man at 17 years old, which, which way to go in the fork in the road. It's, it's tough. But what I can say is communicate, lay it out for them and try to sell it to them. Cause if you try to sell it to them, they're going to hear your passion and they could have a change of heart. But thank you so much to everybody who, uh, sent in their messages today, their, their emails today. Um, podcast at michaelchandler.com is where I'm reading these from. We had uh, South Africa, we had Germany, we had Denmark, we had Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, we're trying to go worldwide here and it is happening. And you guys' response thus far to this and giving me the opportunity to answer your questions, giving me the opportunity to impart some wisdom, some walk-on wisdom to you guys has been, it's been really cool. Um, you know, right now I'm extremely busy with the tough reaction show. Uh, the ultimate fighter is going on until, uh, August 15th on ESPN every week. We got jelly roll in studio in studio today. So we're going to film that here in an hour or two. Um, so the walk on wisdoms have kind of taken a, a backward step, if you will, went a couple weeks without filming them, but Connor and I are back on the horse. We're going to, uh, continue to get these questions put together. Um, once again, like I said, podcast at michaelchandler.com. And we read the comments as well, by the way, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, Apple podcast, whether it's here on YouTube, we read the comments. We're seeing what you guys are saying. We, we see how the community is growing. So make sure you like and subscribe and give five stars or give one star. If you don't like it, give us one star and tell us why you, why you don't like it. Um, give, us, uh, give us some insight. Tell us why you like it. Tell us what we could do better. Um, just like every single one of these questions, the overarching theme is how can I be better? How can I be better? I'm trying to be a better at every single thing and walk on wisdom and the tough reaction show and walk on fitness and all the different things that we're doing here in this studio and around the, around the city here in Nashville, around the country, um, around the world has been uh, trying to get better. So like, subscribe, comment, let us know what we can be doing better. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you all so much for your support on this journey. It's been so awesome. Hopefully a fight announcement coming soon between myself and Mr. McGregor. Um, but for now, you guys just uh, keep on keeping on. Keep on winning the battle between your ears. And thank you so much for being on this journey with me. As always, God bless. Walk on. And we'll see you at the top.